Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sandra Ladd, and I'm the Senior Minister for First Christian Church Stillwater. We are growing a Christ-centered, compassionate church where all can connect to God's love. And we hope that in this time you experience growth. We pray that this time will help you focus and center on Christ and that in this time you will sense care and compassion. We pray that this time provide you with a deeper connection to the love of God. Grace and peace be with you. And again, we thank you so much for gifting us with your time. So today concludes our summer worship series. Throughout these summer months, we have covered the Ten Commandments, the book of 1 Peter, and today we conclude our study of the book of Ruth. Ruth is a short but a mighty book offering hope and revelation of God's said love for his people, the extraordinary lived out through ordinary lives of everyday people. Let's pray. God, your said love is something that our minds struggle to comprehend. Love has broken our hearts. We've been failed by others who have claimed to love us and we ourselves have failed those that we have claimed to love. We desperately want to believe in love that is real and everlasting and yet hurt and heartache gets in our way. We invite the Spirit to minister to us today, to speak to us and to give us ears to listen. Help our minds to receive with clarity. Minister to our spirits and our souls. In your name we pray, amen. Here now the final chapter of Ruth, chapter four, verses one through 22. No sooner had Boaz gone up to the gate and sat down there than the next of kin, of whom Boaz had spoken, came passing by. So Boaz said, come over here, friend, sit down. And he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took 10 elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. He then said to the next of kin, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our kinsman, Elimelech, so I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me so that I may know, for there's no one prior to you to redeem it, and I come after you. So he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi, you are also acquiring Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance. At this, the next of kin said, I cannot redeem it for myself without damaging my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one took off a sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the next of kin said to Boaz, acquire it for yourself, he took off his sandal. 
Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. I've also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, the wife of Malon, to be my wife, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance, in order that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today you are witnesses. Then all the people who were at the gate, along with the elders, said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you produce children in Ephrathah and bestow a name in Bethlehem. And through the children that the Lord will give you by this young woman, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood came, gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, and he became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the descendants of Perez. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, Jesse of David. Thanks be to God for the word of God. We left off last week on a kind of a cliffhanger with a bit of a spoiler and a few more spoilers this morning. But Ruth boldly proposes marriage to Boaz, who accepts and then adds, but wait, there's another kinsman who is more closely related than I, and if he will act as next of kin for you, well, then good. And if not, I am willing. I will act as next of kin. In other words, if he will marry you, good. If he won't, I will. The makeup of Hallmark stories, right? Not so much. But um, maybe if you think about it in broader terms, he fills her cloak with barley to take home to Naomi and promises to settle the matter. Naomi and Ruth have to wait and see what will happen. Have you ever had to wait on an answer? I don't know about you, but it's one of the hardest struggles for me. Waiting on answers just does not come easy for most of us. We struggle waiting on things, especially important things like a diagnosis from the doctor or a test score that uh, is going to weigh our scale for our grade one way or another. Waiting to hear back from a job interview that we really want waiting to find your soulmate. Naomi does offer Ruth some comfort by adding, he won't rest, but he's going to settle this matter quickly. She knows Boaz, and she knows that he's a man of character and integrity. She knows that he will be true to his word. I want to challenge you that more of us should be known in that manner, that we should be known for our qualities and characteristics of character and integrity that we shouldn't be known as people who will follow through with our promises, known as people who are true to our word. No sooner had Boaz gone up to the gate 
then there comes that next of kin, just appears at just the right time. You know, the book of Ruth is filled with these coincidences, people who show up at just the right place at just the right time. Naomi has a hard time seeing that God is working on her behalf because she's bitter and she's broken and no one can blame her. She's suffered incredible loss. But do we do the same in our hurt and our brokenness or maybe even in our busyness? Do we fail to see the work of the hand of God on our behalf in our own lives? Do we identify simple instances of being in the right place at the right time as chance or luck or circumstance? Or do we identify it as the sovereign hand of God at work on our behalf? And do we even believe truly wholeheartedly in the sovereignty of God that he is at work in our behalf always? And do our actions reflect that belief I've had to ask that question of myself a lot this week. One of the purposes of the book of Ruth, which is so timely, coincidence, I say not, is to encourage us to be attentive to the work of God in our world, to be intentional about recognizing it as that, the work of God. Albert Einstein said a coincidence is a small miracle where God chose to remain anonymous. But people, it's our God to make sure that he doesn't remain anonymous. We are the praise givers. We are the ones that get to proclaim and bring awareness to what we ourselves have been attentive to. That God is with us. Boaz invites this unnamed person, and that's significant, and I'll explain in just a minute, to sit down in the presence of the elders so he can explain the situation. Boaz explains that Naomi has come back from Moab, and she's selling the land that has belonged to Elimelech. Remember, Naomi had lost everything. She came back to Bethlehem empty following the loss of her husband and two sons, all hope lost, and yet... God had provided for Naomi and for others just like her by establishing a law most generally strictly followed by the Israelites. It was a law that provided for the care for this very specific need. The law required that a close relative was to purchase the land that was lost by another family and preserve that right for the original owners to stay there. Land, place was important, and God established ways to protect what mattered most, requiring people to take care of their people. And that's what's happening in this transaction. The man accepts. He's willing to purchase the land and allow Naomi to remain there until she passes, knowing that once Naomi is gone, it will be his. However, once Boaz explains that along with the land, he will also acquire Ruth, which with whom he will be obligated to provide an heir, preserving the name of her dead husband, and then pass on the land to that heir, he quickly declined, stating, I can't do that. I can't damage the inheritance of my own children. And this is why the author doesn't name the man, because this is scandalous in this culture. This is a refusal to follow God's law in the presence of elders, we don't know for certain why the man refuses. There are, however, a couple of clues. Just not clarity on which one of those reasons is right or both. 
Boaz is intentional to mention that Ruth is a Moabite. So the deal breaker could be prejudice. The man himself says that he can't damage his own inheritance. It would be a matter, so it could be a matter of greed. He could be wanting to save uh, what he has for his own children. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's not for good reasons that this man refuses to follow the law of God. So either the author wants to protect this man's reputation or he wants to capture the reader's attention Probably both. We should be people that are about protecting the reputation of others, maybe even when they don't deserve it. We should be people who are not about greed or building up our own inheritance, but about taking care of one another. These ancient Jewish customs seem so absurd to us. These are difficult things for us to understand because they are not customs that are practiced, and they seem absolutely ridiculous. But if you take away the custom and you look at God's intent, maybe it makes better sense. The intent of the law was to protect what mattered most to people, to protect their property, their inheritance, their name, to keep people from being cut off. And God went even further in require, than requiring a relative purchase and provide. If you remember when we studied the Ten Commandments, the law of the Sabbath, after 50 years in the year of Jubilee, all land went back to its original owner. So even if this man wouldn't purchase the property, even if Boaz refused, after 50 years, the land would return to the descendants of the original owners. That's why descendants were so imperative. It was so important. It was a part of the plan. The point we need to see is this. God cares deeply about people. God cares about what matters to people. God cares about people's future. God cares about the hopes and the dreams of people. God designed laws to protect people. And one of the greatest lessons of the book of Ruth is that when the law wasn't enough, when the law didn't provide that protection, God went above and beyond to ensure that the greatest need of people would be met. That's God's nature. That's who God is, always was, always will be. Not did, God did not just meet, but he went above and beyond to ensure that those needs were met. And we have to know that about God. We have to believe that wholeheartedly. We have to trust with every thread of our being that God's has said love is always faithful, never failing, unconditional, and everlasting, and that it is for us. It's the only thing that will carry us through the waves of life. This exchange was made in accordance to the customs of the day in the presence of the elders, and Boaz acquires the land along with a wife. The act of offering a sandal was a tradition that had apparently passed away at this time. Remember, the Bible is written not to us, but for us. So the people that it was written to were already not aware of this custom. At the time, of the, book, the, the, time the book of Ruth was officially recorded, the author had to take time to explain the meaning. And it had to do with this visual rep representation of the exchange, exchange handing off the, the, what the owner had walked on, but it had to do also with reverence and with respect. Now, a few weeks ago, I walked into the sanctuary as we were bringing into the light, and I noticed a young man that was sitting in his pew, and he had removed his shoes, and his feet were firmly planted on the, 
on the floor, and he was in a position of prayer. And it was obvious that before the service had even started, before the light had been brought in, before the prayers were offered, before the band had offered praise and worship, before the scripture was read or the sermon was preached, he was intending to connect with God. It was a sign of reverence and respect, a sign that when he entered into this building, it was his responsibility to connect with the God of all creation, and he was going to do it. And I thought, what a powerful sign that it is our responsibility to realize that God is with us in this place, and we have the opportunity to connect. And I wonder if we all did that. By the way, I'm up here without my shoes behind the podium today. If we all did that expecting that God would minister to our hearts and minds, how would our response to worship be different? You know, I heard, oh gosh, multiple stories this week, multiple, I won't even share them all, about individual people who have connected to the love of God through this congregation. It was inspiring. It was awesome to know that not just ministry is taking place, but we are living into our mission to, be, to grow a Christ-centered, compassionate church connecting all to God's love. I know that happens. We all know that happens. But to hear it happen through individuals is so inspiring. Let me get back to the story of Ruth. Notice the blessing of the elders. I believe that it is still the most important job of the elders of this congregation to offer blessings. Words are so powerful. The words that you speak, are they blessings to others in their life endeavors? Are you intentional about making sure that your words build up support and encourage the life efforts of others? Even though Ruth was previously married for 10 years and did not bear children, she immediately conceives a son with Boaz. I want to pause there because there was a point in the sermon just a few minutes ago where I heard the little squeaking of a baby toy in worship and I was reminded children are a gift and a blessing. Do you guys realize that not only are these parents and grandparents gifted with these infants and with these children, but they've brought them into our house to grow them up in the knowledge and the understanding and the awareness of God. What a gift and what a blessing. What are we going to do with that gift and that blessing? She immediately conceives and bears a son with Boaz. And the women who were present at the beginning of the story, the ones who see Naomi coming and question, is that Naomi? Because it looks like Naomi, but it doesn't look like Naomi. What happened? And Naomi explains to them, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara because I'm not the same person that left you. I left full, but I come home empty. I am bitter. That's what I am. Call me bitter because God has dealt bitterly with me. Those women are now present and remind Naomi at just the right time. And may I emphasize the importance of that. They didn't chastised Naomi and her bitterness. They didn't condemn her. They didn't make it worse. They waited for the right door of opportunity to speak blessing into her life. And they remind her, Naomi, you are blessed. 
God has not left you. You have been redeemed. You have been restored. And the reminder of the vessel through whom that blessing came, Ruth, according to their words, worth more than seven sons, representing the complete worth, the absolute value. And we see Naomi's whole being reacts to those words, her body, her spirit, and her soul in church. That's the wholeness that God wants us to bring. He wants to bring it first into our lives. We have to receive that said love, but there's more than that. Once we've received wholeness, God wants us to be used as instruments to bring wholeness into the lives of others. The story of Ruth teaches us that we do that by being attentive to the work of God in our lives and in the lives of others. And then we speak those blessings and give praise to the one who redeems and restores, not just in the book of Ruth, but in our lives as well. May all hearing these words today by the Spirit of God receive, receive God's said love that's offered for you today in this place or online wherever you are. And in return, may we be conduits for God's said love and blessing in the world. One last thing. Just as the book of Ruth begins with a promise, it now ends with a promise. The women of the village give him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi, and they name him Obed. A rare occurrence, probably signifying that we need to pay attention. Something important is about to happen. Obed becomes the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David, King David, the greatest king of all Israel, from whom an even greater king would descend. John 7, 42 says, has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendant of David from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Romans 1, 3, concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. 2 Timothy 2, 8, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to the gospel in Revelations 5, 5. One of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the son of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Here is where the story of Ruth leaves us with the promise of God's faithful said love overflowing not just into the lives of two widows and a farmer but into the lives of all of Israel through King David restorer of the nation of Israel and through David's greater son our redeemer Jesus Christ into even our own lives as well Jesus restorer of all humanity, blessing upon blessing, blessed to be blessed. Thanks be to God.